The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. To you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844 4Code Red or visit coderedroofers.com. Oh man, oh man, oh man. It's just, we have descended into a moral swamp. I mean, all of us. You know, I'm looking at a lawsuit that's now been filed by an ex-producer uh, of Maria Bartiromo and uh, Tucker Carlson's program. And it is, it's a pretty intense lawsuit with a lot of claims. I think there's multiple claims, six or seven claims. Um, and uh, it's by a, a, a woman, a, a female producer, who worked first with Maria Bartiromo and then on Tucker Carlson's show. Her name is Abby Grossberg. And she filed these two lawsuits against her employer on Monday in which she alleges a culture of sexual harassment and general misogyny. Well, I'm still trying to find out where the misogyny part is um, since she worked for a female host and a male host and... I would imagine that both of them are making oodles, boodles of money, and I don't know that there's misogyny in picking hosts. I mean, I know that there have been some other accusations. I can think back to, of course, uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly, who was accused, and then uh, we had uh, Judge Napolitano was accused of uh, all kinds of sexual misconduct. I mean, that that seems to be something that... Uh, gets gets talked about a whole lot, but it's really you know just some of the allegations in this lawsuit are as crazy as you ever could have imagined. Like the staff at Tucker Carlson's show that tries to determine which candidate candidates are more and I can't even say the word, but let's just say that lend themselves to uh, someone you want to be having sex with and that the other producers on the Tucker Carlson show um, used the C word to describe women, had pictures of Nancy Pelosi in a uh, bathing suit with a plunging neckline. That, to me, is kind of scary. I've seen that picture. I don't know that I would call that misogyny. I would call it more like, you know, uh, the stuff of horror films. You don't want to wake up to that. I did have a crazy, crazy nightmare last night. And I don't know about the rest of you. I know I'm supposed to be talking about, uh, you know, the, the barricades that are being set up in downtown Manhattan and the, the, the Republican House that's going after uh, this monstrous looking, boy, is he a, a, a hideous looking man, this Alvin Bragg, the DA in New York. I, I, I know I'm supposed to be talking about that, but I can't help myself. 
because I, I'm just kind of curious and I'm sure people will email me and let me know, but like, I'm one of these people who have never had a, a COVID diagnosis. Now, some would say it's because I've had colds and not tested myself, and it is conceivable that at some point I might have, might have actually um, been infected, although I'd never had any of the symptoms I was told to look for, never lost my taste of taste, uh, you know, my sense of taste or smell significantly any more than I would when I have a cold. I mean, when I have a cold for a day or two, my nose is too stuffy, and unless I blow it, I can't taste anything. So I haven't had those kind of, I didn't ever have a fever. Um, I've just had like, you know, the proverbial runny noses and coughs, which have always been the stuff of colds for me. So I've never had a COVID diagnosis. I have been tested and I have been vaccinated. So um, I don't sit around thinking about it or worrying about it in my conscious life. But apparently in my subconscious, there's a, there was a stirring last night and I dreamt that I had COVID. And that I, I was trying, I was debating whether I was going to tell anyone or not. And then I was debating of the morality of exposing anyone around me by not telling them once I already had a diagnosis. And I just, uh, you know, I woke up from the dream in the proverbial cold sweat and, uh, and thought, oh gosh, I'm really glad that was a dream. But I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I think, you know, I have to be cautious. I think we all have to be. If you have never been infected, don't think that it couldn't happen. And I think that was what the dream was. Don't be so flippant is what the dream was. Um, because you never know. You know, there are people walking around who have lots of antibodies, have been exposed, have been infected, lots of things. But in fact... Um, can still carry the virus. And so it's, it's not inconceivable that I may get exposed at some point and that since I have not had a recent shot or booster or anything like that and have absolutely no intention of having any such thing, um, I, I guess the dream was to tell me, be circumspect. Don't be so, you know, overconfident. And uh, I woke up and said, well, thank you. And, and I did my navage. I cleaned my nose. I uh, you know, just take, take as good care of myself as I can, eat the right foods and all the rest of that stuff. Well, the grand jury is hearing from the final witness today. Now, last night, Robert Costello was on television, and he's a lawyer who used to uh, work f with, he was actually the attorney for um, Michael Cohen, who, of course, is now the state's number one witness against Donald Trump, even though he used to be Donald Trump's fixer and attorney. Um, and apparently, he, uh, he had made some public testimony, and Costello, the attorney, Robert Costello, watched it on a television program and said, I just couldn't stand by and not tell the grand jury what I knew, which was that I believe that Michael Cohen was terrified that he was going to jail and they told him, turn evidence against Donald Trump and you won't do much time. I mean, that was his opinion. Costello said that um, he had done a long interview with Michael Cohen before he agreed to uh, help him. And 
he kept asking them, if they want to go after Donald Trump, then, you, you know, do you have evidence that implicates him? And he kept saying, no, there is nothing. No, I don't. No, there isn't. As a matter of fact, he kept telling everybody that he would take a bullet for his boss and would remain loyal to the president. And then, of course, ultimately, he decided to plead guilty in connection with the payments to Stormy Daniels and, and that Karen McDougal, the model, which he said were directed by Trump. And of course, since that time, he has become like the most anti-Trump. I got into a Twitter battle with Michael Cohen to end all Twitter battles, and I don't do that. But he had just, you know, was promoting like, did, did, I want, did he want to be a guest on my show? And I said, you are the lowest form of life. I wouldn't want to talk to you if I was, if we were in the, the show, the last, whatever that is, that show where the last two people on earth, you know, run across each other. If that was you and me, I would, I would shoot you and be the last person. I guess I wouldn't shoot him, but I, I just, I had no interest in talking to him and I said so. And oh, he went ballistic. Who are you? And you know who I am and all this. Oh God. People uh, blow themselves up way beyond their importance. And when it comes to things having to do with Donald Trump, it's amazing. You know, I'm still sitting here trying to figure out how they're going to prosecute him on an NDA that was done years and years ago with his own money. I don't care how he built it. You know, I don't care how the, the uh, uh, Cohen legal team build it. You know, and I don't, all I know is if every time a woman stepped forward, or a man for that matter, stepped forward and made an allegation of sexual harassment against a major public figure, and the public figure said, look, I don't need this kind of aggravation. I don't want my family put through this kind of aggravation. See how little they'll take. Give them that and get them out. Get them out of my hair, right? And I mean, it's just, it's endless. I, I started to compile a list and then I said, I'm not going to waste my whole show telling you about all the people who have signed NDAs after making bribery allegations or, or in, in, implying that they would uh, hold a public person hostage over an allegation and how they always, they always settle. You know, half of them only do it for the cash. Half of them do it because they are mad at the person or they hate the person and they uh, maybe did have an affair and, and, uh, and they know that by exposing it, they could damage the person's reputation or ruin their marriage. I'm sure that happens all the time. And all the time, public figures pay. That's all. You know, and I never say, oh, well, because they paid, that proves to me they did it. No, they paid to make it go away. And I get that. I really do. What I don't get is this sort of abject hatred for the man. I just really don't get it. You know, sometimes I, I try to put myself in the, in the shoes or in the headset of these people who are just such haters of Donald Trump because They've, they've become so obsessed that they will not stop. They lose over and over again. They basically, and, and you know, there's some guy in Politico today saying like, oh, this is not good for Donald Trump. I don't care what people say. This is not good. And Chris Christie yesterday, this is not good for Donald Trump. There's nobody on earth who still has two brain cells that they can rub together, you know, that doesn't think that if you indict Donald Trump and you try to uh, prosecute him, 
that you won't make people who are still kind of just middle of the road about the whole thing say, okay, you know, this is enough. It's enough. It, it, it has to stop somewhere. And, and the, the most important feature of all this, for me, because I try to be somewhat even-handed, you know, I don't like Democrats, but I, I don't want to blame them for what they didn't do, but they've done this. They've taken the Donald Trump hatred to such a, 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 a far-out level. I mean, watching Maxine Waters yesterday, I mean, she literally, like, she can't stop the spittle from flying out her mouth when she talks about Donald Trump. It's gross. You know, nobody has ever gotten into my head that bad. Now, mind you, I did not like Bill Clinton. I, I truly, truly, truly did not like Bill Clinton. Um, but I, he never made me, you know, want to leave the country or want to destroy the, the Democrat Party. Nothing like that. I mean, he just, he just, I just didn't like his politics. And I really didn't like his, his personality. But I wasn't convinced that he had to be taken out. He was elected twice. You know, people liked him. Um, and when I look back at his eight years of the presidency, um, yeah, his moral character was horrifying, but it wasn't as bad a presidency as, uh, I don't know, some Republicans of late. And it certainly um, wasn't as bad as the Obama-Biden administration. But I never wanted to see Barack Obama uh, destroyed. I don't want to see Joe Biden destroyed. I don't like what he's doing to my country. I want to see him removed from office in the general way. I want an election, and I want another candidate to win. That's how I do politics. It's a really good system if we just stay in the system. But instead, the Democrats decided... They had to declare all-out war on Donald Trump. And I, for the life of me, you know, I just don't get it. I, I'm a New Yorker, so all of the things that people get all crazy about, they don't bother me. You know, he's a loud-mouthed, narcissistic uh, businessman, truly, uh, you know, uh, really takes liberties with, in the way he speaks, in the, um, in the things he does, and the everything. He's just over the top. You know, Broadway shows are over the top. If you go to see a musical, you don't want to go see a musical where they're singing, you know, songs in, uh, you know, it, that sound like hymns, right? You want, you want to hear like, oh, what a beautiful morning. I mean, you just want it to be bigger than life. And Donald Trump's bigger than life. I get it. I'm a New Yorker. I get it. Doesn't bother me. What I love about him is that he got all these things done that we all said we've wanted done for forever, okay? You know, coming out of the Reagan years, everybody thought like, hey, we got a chance. You know, let's, let's, um, let's get back the spirit. Let's, let's become America lovers again. And, and then Donald Trump came along and said like, I'm with you. I think that's a good idea. Let's do it. Make America great again. And that resonated. And it resonates today with people like me who have all of the intellectual uh, firepower that the left has, has as much education, has as much knowledge, has as much of all that jazz, really, but also just has a, a deep and, and, and passionate love for freedom and for, for the republic that I was born in and that I've seen come through some really tough times and always come out better, always come out um, showing how anything is possible in a Judeo-Christian nation that continues to honor God and then 
be, uh, you know, honor the law. And all of a sudden, you know, we get a guy in there who makes them go crazy. They, they can't even, they can't breathe when he's in the room. So I, I don't get it, but it is their undoing. He is not a boogeyman. And their efforts to turn him into one are backfiring tremendously. And so Politico can write all they want, and Chris Christie can say all he want, and I've got friends who say it all the time. You know, he can't win, he can't win. Okay. You know, I, I remember you told me that in 2016. You told me he couldn't win. Told me to, you know, just uh, keep my, what did you say? Keep my powder dry, people told me. Eh, no. You know, my powder is always dry, but I always have one in the chamber, Okay. Anyway, don't forget to download our app because if you had that 850 app, you could register to win one of our great contests. And we got some great contests. We have generic contests all the time. And now we have one where you can get a $50 DoorDash gift card so you can get saucy with freaking delicious fried chicken tenders from Tender Shack. How good does that sound right now? Of course, because I'm you know, not eating yet. I'm, I'm thoroughly uh, thinking about that. But uh, I'm, I'm going to put that out of my mind. You put it out of your mind until the after the show, and then you can go get whatever you want from Tender Shack. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So all morning I've been calling this uh, phone protest. Um, I've been calling the DA Alvin Bragg's office, and uh, they're not answering the phone. The, it goes directly to like a voicemail. Um, but I, I just think it's fun to flood phones when people feel that they're getting um, rooked by the people that they elect. And and I didn't elect the DA in New York City. I don't live there anymore in New York. Um, but he is prosecuting somebody in a political witch hunt. And I think it's an outrage. You know, it's funny because yesterday, my husband and I went for a bike ride. And I um, I live in a community that's uh, pretty, 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 uh, pretty, pretty, pretty blue. Uh, I mean, it's really blue. There are some red hats in here, but not a lot. And and I just choose not to get embroiled in a lot of arguments with people that you got to live with. You know, these are my neighbors and they're entitled to their opinion just as I'm entitled to mine. And usually uh, the better part of valor is just, uh, you know, discretion. And so I, I don't sport a lot of things until right up before an election. 
Although I have one neighbor, she's great. She had a Brody sign in her window on the first floor, and she wasn't taking it down. She goes, don't tell me to take this down. I can vote for whoever I want. And by the way, Brody did win, um, and, and that was good. Uh, but, you know, I've been calling the DA's office, Alvin Bragg's office, just to say, you know, what are you doing? Stop using the criminal justice system as a political weapon. That is not your job. You know, my hometown, the city of New York, is battling ridiculous crime. Yesterday, uh, or the day before, I guess it was, Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton were in a, a, a theater watching the play, Some Like It Hot, okay? And at intermission, when the lights came on, somebody had deposited human turds right next to their seats, okay? Now, New York is a mess. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen at the Broward Center, I, I assure you, okay? Because if it did happen at the Broward, they don't even let drag shows here. <laughs> you know, you have a drag show, you lose your liquor license if you let kids go to it, you know? So that's not gonna happen here. You know, Hillary and Chelsea can come here and go to the theater. They might get uh, heckled a little bit, but they sure ain't gonna, nobody's gonna do something that disgusting. But in New York, you know, people drop turds left and right everywhere. In California, where my kids live, in San Francisco and Los Angeles, the streets are toilets. They are legitimately toilets, okay? And there are rats and disease all over these once beautiful cities. You know, California, I love when people say to me, California is the most beautiful state in the union. Well, it may have been once upon a time, and I suppose if you get outside of L.A. and you get outside of San Francisco, there are some very beautiful parts of California, no doubt. You know, Napa and, and the, the Bakersfield, there's lovely, lovely areas of California. But most people will only go to San Francisco if they go anywhere or to L.A. if they go anywhere, right? Those are the major cities on the west coast of this country, and they are toilets. New York is a toilet. Detroit is a toilet. Chicago is a toilet, and and I don't get it. You know, why would a DA in any one of those cities decide to spend any effort trying to prosecute a, a person who's no longer in the White House, a person who is legitimately uh, the potential, if not the presumed, candidate for the opposite party to his own, okay? I mean, the DA ran on a, on a platform of, I'm going to get Donald Trump. You know, I suppose this big load of poop that he is thought it would make him famous. You know, yeah. Well, Kim Fox thought something was going to make her famous too. You know, people take these leaps of faith thinking because they live in echo chambers where everyone else is lefty and liberal that they can do something as ridiculous and as unfounded as prosecute a, a former president in a political witch hunt and use the criminal justice system in a town that's teeming with criminality against, yeah. let me ask you this question, okay? The federal prosecutor refused to prosecute this case. The former DA refused to prosecute this case. Why? Not because they like Donald Trump, but because they couldn't make the case. This is a weak at best and possibly just no good case. <coughs> so you need to call the DA's office, just like I did. It's fun. <coughs> it's really fun. I'm sorry, my cough button, once again, <laughs> doesn't seem 
to be working. <coughs> but I stay on the air no matter what. The phone number is 212-335-9000. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. All right, so I was giving out this number to the district attorney's office. It's 212-335-9000. And all you got to do is call and either leave a message or if you do get through to somebody, see, I haven't got any time in this hour to do it. Um, just say, you know, why are you conducting a political witch hunt? Why are you using the criminal justice system as a political weapon? And, you know, we don't appreciate it. Kevin McCarthy made some great statements yesterday. He's turning out to be not as half bad as I thought he would be, so I'm going to try and cut him some slack. I want to remind you all that there will be a Southeast Florida honor flight taking place on Saturday, April 15th. And uh, I've got details about that, and they're going to be raising money as well at a benefit. And it's the Melanda Elena Band and a 50-50 raffle, a Chinese auction. And it's all going to be taking place at, <clears throat> see, I guess I should tell you where it is, J&S Fish Camp um, in Okeechobee, Florida. So maybe um, I'll get this posted about the website. I'll try to take care of that. And then you can participate in that because these honor flights, you know, now they're, they're flying around guys who were, you know, of my generation, you know, the oldest guys are the Korean veterans now, no longer are there enough World War II veterans who are probably in good enough shape to go. They do have, you know, one or two every, uh, every trip, maybe even five, but, um, you know, Think about that. You know, World War II ended almost uh, 90 years ago, uh, 80 years anyway. Um, so it's kind of interesting now uh, my contemporaries are going on these trips. You know, people that I know are now being invited on honor flights. And I'm just, you know, it is a marking the passage of time, no doubt about that. Um, one of the things that I was looking at last night and of course, you know, the, the amount of crazy statements that get made on the internet are just mind boggling. Uh, you know, now California is going to force all these tech giants to pay news outlets, right? Which I think is an interesting concept. They're going to make Facebook and Google have to pay publishers for any news content, which is really, this is a fight around the world. They're fighting this in Great Britain. They're fighting it in, in Italy and in Greece. Um, and on Monday, California Assembly member Buffy Wicks announced legislation to require large tech companies to pay a journalism usage fee whenever they run digital ads next to news content such as articles, while making publishers reinvest in journalism jobs. It's called the California Journalism Competition and Preservation Act. And there was a federal bill just like that that would allow publishers to bargain their content distribution terms with like Google and, and Facebook, and it went nowhere, absolutely nowhere. So... It's going to be easy. And now, of course, the big news out of L.A. 
is that the L.A. Unified School District was, was closed today. Now, I have a granddaughter who goes to the Los Angeles Unified School District, and it is because of a strike by tens of thousands of school employees and teachers. So all of the schools are closed. And you know who the superintendent is? Alberto Carvalho. Does that name ring a bell? Of course it does. He was here. And we got rid of him. So now he's there, and there are no talks, and they are shutting down the schools. So it wasn't bad enough. The strike actually began this morning, and it will continue at least through Thursday, March 23rd. So now for working parents like my kids, this is a nightmare. First, they had to go through, uh, you know, years of their children not being able to go to school, or when they finally were able to go to school, they were wearing masks until very recently, all right? And now that their kids are finally kind of back in normal school, the 35,000 teachers said, nah, we're going to strike with all of the auxiliary personnel that's on strike. Now, really, does anybody care about the kids? You know, this is the SEIU, Local 99, which represents about 30,000 school employees, right, who want a 30% raise and a $2 per hour equity wage increase. This is a, in a state, mind you. Like, I don't know how you can afford to be a teacher and live in California, to be honest. So I get it, and not even a teacher, you know, talking about auxiliary personnel, I don't know how they could afford to live in that in that in Los Angeles County. I mean, the, the, the cost to live there and the, and the tax burden for any working person is ridiculous. So now what happens? After three days, you know, are they going to come back? Are they going to give in? They're going to cave to their demands? I don't know. So here's the really interesting part. If you look at the LA newspapers, so of course I do. I read the LA and the San Francisco newspapers because I have family there, all right? And uh, I'm looking at the, at, the, um, at the news stories, and you know what their biggest concern is? Not for my granddaughter, not for the kids whose educations have been disrupted repeatedly in the last couple of years. Not for my grandsons who, you know, um, well, particularly my, my youngest grandson who has learned to speak without being able to look at people's lips. So he has, you know, a little bit of a, a, a delay in his speaking and a little bit of a, you know, a, um, it's a, basically Derek had the same thing. It's a little bit of an Elmer Fudd sound to, to the way he speaks. And we had no idea how important it was for children to see the face when they were learning how to speak until probably the 70s, 1970s when speech therapists and audiologists all came to the conclusion that if you, uh, for, for instance, you know, children who had uh, poor vision and children who had audiological problems had a lot of trouble with language, period, language. And so now we like basically muffled the sound <laughs> for years and we basically uh, disrupted the education for years of young children 
in the whole country, but in particular in California, where Governor Newsom was just overbearing at all times. And you know what their biggest problem is, what the big news stories are? Who's going to give the kids who, who eat at school their meals? In other words, the, you know, and what are they going to do when they're not in school? So they threw up in the zoo. It'll be free for all students and adults only have to pay five bucks. So take off from work and take your kid to the zoo. And if you depend on meals for your kids at schools, you can pick up meals for all three days at some centers, you know, at the rec centers and at the parks departments. They're going to make sure that the kids who count on school meals will be fed. I, I, I struggle with that. I really do. I struggle with this whole idea of us feeding children at school instead of making parents who have children in schools provide food for their children. If a parent cannot feed their own children, are we really doing their children a favor by leaving them in those homes? I'm sorry, but the idea that you can't afford to buy a couple of loaves of bread, uh, a couple of jars of peanut butter and jelly, and some, you know, apples, a bag of apples, and provide breakfast and lunch for your kid really uh, distresses me. Because it's once again us taking responsibility away from people who the last time I checked have children in the normal manner, okay? If you're going to become a parent, unless you go through adoption, you probably uh, mated with someone. I'll just say it that way to, to try and keep it, you know, PG. And now you have a child and that child will require food and, and, and shoes and, and, and clothing and, and uh, you know, clean water and a bed to sleep in. If you cannot provide those things for the kid, I don't believe you should have the kid. That's all. Uh, I don't believe that you are competent and can take care of that kid because there are plenty of resources available to parents who are struggling financially, you know, especially in California. Are you kidding me? In California, you can get food stamps if you're living on a park bench, all right? If you're living in your car, they'll deliver a check to you in San Francisco. You don't even have to be living in a car or on a bench. You can just show up at a P.O. box and get your check. They'll accommodate you. They'll put you in housing. They'll make sure that there is, uh, you know, um, prepackaged meals available to you. Feed your own kids. If you need help to do it, then get help. Churches help. You know, I remember when my daughter lived in San Francisco, uh, she lived right around the corner. Uh, she was at um, Alamo, close to Alamo Square. And that neighborhood is pretty uh, expensive to live in. It was expensive then. It's crazy now. She doesn't live there anymore. But uh, all the Google people and all of the, you know, uh, Silicon Valley uh, young people uh, bought up all the property or, or, you know, they would rent rooms in other people's apartments and drove the property values off the charts, right? But there were, in that very neighborhood where most people had plenty of resources, right? 
there were numerous churches. There was one right around the corner from where she lived that um, had feeding programs, you know, where you could come and get a bag of groceries to feed your family. And when I hear that, you know, we're depriving children of meals by not giving them lunch or breakfast at school, I just shake my head. Because basically what you're telling their parent is, you can't take care of your own child. And we know it. And that's okay. You know, that's okay with us. We'll do it. You know, I, I was at a, a beautiful memorial service yesterday. And people were talking about the young man who had, um, who had passed. And they were talking about he had been a counselor in schools actually up in the New York area. And, you know, when he started teaching, he was stunned at the amount of kids who showed up to school in the middle of winter, in New York, mind you, without a jacket. And, you know, his mom recounts how he came home and said, we got to buy them jackets. <coughs> so there's always been need. And there have always been people willing to meet needs. But the idea that schools should be feeding your kids really just depresses me. Don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino at 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro, and the morning crew will be back in the morning. I'm going to take one break and come back and finish the show. And don't forget, they still need uh, some of these care items at Forgotten Soldiers Outreach. You know, things like baby wipes and dental floss and um, chapstick and mouthwash, you know, the kinds of things that we send to the men and women who are deployed. And um, Forgotten Soldiers Outreach is the name of the organization, Linnell uh, Zellner, that I've been working with for years. So um, check it out. Go to her website, ForgottenSoldiers.org, or go to Amazon.com, and she has a wish list there. And they'll ship the items directly to her. You know, if you want to do food items, do the, like, you know, Raymond noodles and the fruit snacks and cookies. You know, they do the individual packages of cookies, and they really like the um, the drink mixes, the individual packets of drink, drink mixes. Throw in a pair of socks, some hand warmers, insect repellent wipes. It's just, it's just the right thing to do. That's why I say we, we don't need to feed people's children. We need to help people feed their own children. We need to stop turning everyone into super dependent on the government. It's just, it's so sad to me. How demoralizing is it for a parent to have to admit that they can't feed their own kid, that if they don't have a school lunch today, they better go to a rec center and you know get a box lunch because they won't be able to provide food for their own child. I mean, I just, I, I it just grieves me. And apparently, uh, it grieves uh, nobody else because you know the, I, I I talk to my kids about it all the time. They live in these in the state of California, and I say to myself like, you know. Um, they they do very well for themselves there. They like being in California. It's beyond my comprehension, but they like it. And I say to them, well, you know, how do you feel about, you know, your kid having to walk through homeless encampments? Will your child ever be able to go out and play outside of your yard? The answer is no. Will your child be able to walk to the grocery store that's literally uh, two blocks away from the house in LA or in the case of my 
grandsons in San Francisco. It's literally, you know, eight blocks away to the nearest store. Will you ever allow them to walk to the nearest park to play basketball by themselves? You can't because they'd literally have to walk through junkies shooting up and, and human excrement and all the rest of it. And no parent in their right mind will do that. So it's time. You know, we're a nation in deep decline. And all I know is I've, I've watched, I said as I opened up this program, it boggles my mind to see the assault against President Donald Trump. <coughs> and it's been going on forever. The worst elements of corruption, every rotten, weaponized institution um, that I ever conceived of, have targeted this one man, and yet he remains standing. I don't know what that is, but it's definitely something bigger and something more unexplainable than anything I've ever seen before. And I'm, you know, quoting a survivor, uh, you know, website that talks about nobody who has withstood more unilaterally focused assault than this man. And yet he's still swinging for the fences every time he comes out. It is one of the most remarkable things that you'll ever get to see. And I'm not foolish enough, uh, or, and I doubt you are either, to think that when we are watching this, we have an obligation, we have a responsibility to remain steadfast and to bear witness to what's happening. And if, if we have to fight, we have to fight, whatever that is, making a phone call to a DA's office, standing on a street corner, um, whatever it takes. We're witnessing a human determination that is beyond my comprehension. Not at this scale, anyway. Somehow, by the de design of the universe and, and or maybe providence, and I believe, of course, in a purposeful God, you cannot convince me that this man, this man named Trump, doesn't have purposeful energy. He does. And we're wise enough, and our eyes are, should be open enough to accept that we are witnessing something far bigger than even our capacity to understand it. Steadfast doesn't mean when it's easy. You know, it, it, when things are working according to our own interests, steadfast means standing strong when it's challenging, when it's difficult, when it's unnerving. Courage, as my husband always likes to say, is not the absence of fear. It's taking action despite being afraid. And steadfast is a decision as well. Do not retreat now to a place where you're comfortable. You have to be unwavering, no matter what the obstacles and difficulties. When we don't have the words, then we just stand. When we see adversity on the face of another, then we have to engage. That's steadfast. And when we see one person under assault from every corrupt enterprise under the control of man and government, we have to stand firm in our support and our prayer for that target. That's a steadfast decision. 
the people who want to fundamentally change our country, and they call it that. They tell us they want to fundamentally change our nation. They're waging a full frontal assault against this republic. And it seems overwhelming. I know it does. You see these leftist cities and these leftist states that have abandoned the rule of law. You know, they don't care. Political activists and left-wing ideologues uh, call, you know, most of them calling themselves Democrats and all of their allies in the media, they conduct an information war on behalf of their objective. Big tech, social media companies, removing the voices of anybody who fights back. Well, guess what? By now, your eyes should be wide open. There's a great deal of purposefully driven anxiety and fear in this country right now. There's a war going on between the truth and, and of course, uh, between the darkness. And I believe in spiritual battles. But don't let your sense of, of self succumb to this, right? Do not let them win the battle for your peace of mind, even when it seems overwhelming. The purpose of them bombarding us, or in particular bombarding Donald Trump as a substitute for bombarding us, it's weak and it's psychological bait because we the people are the ultimate target. He's just in the way. D don't fall into the trap of despair. I have friends, good people, who fell into the trap of despair and immediately was like, oh no, I can't support him. Oh no, no, we gotta move away from that. Oh no, no, the future is not him. If they didn't believe the future was him, they wouldn't fight him so hard. So we are the people we've been waiting for. Yet the professional political class, they're, they're walled off within the system. And they don't know that we're starting to wake up. You know, not be woke, but be awake. And if we allow them to continue operating all the corrupt levers of, uh, within the corrupt machine, and, and they, they think they can continue to ignore the will of the people that they're supposed to be representing. They want to destroy us, so they need to destroy him. They want to destroy our faith, so they need to destroy our hope. They will fail so long as we remain steadfast. And that's it. You know, understand the larger issues and remain united. Hold a sense of fellowship towards each other, because otherwise we can't overcome the challenges. The, the use of fear as a strategic weapon to achieve division, that's what they did on J6. That's what they're doing with law enforcement right now. You need to have, uh, you need to hold fast, steadfast. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then be, be united. You know, have a sense of identity and unity and fellowship with the rest of the nation. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.